Hey guys, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. So chapter 10 continues with Surah Al-Anfal. We started this surah talking about who gets the war treasures. In the past, usually it was finders keepers. But Allah decided that all war treasures are to be given to the Prophet peace be upon him because this wealth belongs to Allah. The Prophet or the leader is meant to distribute this wealth evenly amongst people. One fifth of it belongs only to the Prophet, the orphans, the needy, and the rest of the money is shared amongst every soldier in battle. The war money must be distributed the way Allah tells us to. Everything belongs to Allah, even the money that we make today. Allah gives us money so that we can share it with others. So whatever money that is made in this war, it must be used the way Allah wants us to. We talked about the Battle of Badr and how the people were not prepared for it. They were scared and wanted to plan the date for a later date. But what did Allah do? Allah pushed them into it. Allah told them that if you had delayed it for another time, you would have lost this battle for sure. Sometimes Allah does the same to us. Sometimes we have something important we need to do, but we overthink it. We keep delaying it. Allah then comes and then just pushes us into the situation because Allah knows what's best for us. So anytime you feel like you've been thrown into a mess or a problem that came out of nowhere, don't freak out. Just trust Allah. Sometimes Allah forces us into big situations so that we can learn something from it. You might not think you are prepared, but remember, if Allah has put you in the situation, then Allah knows that you are able to handle it. Even the failures from those bad situations is meant to teach you a valuable lesson. We are told that anytime we are thrown into problems, instead of whining about it to other people, remember Allah instead. Whining won't help you and other people won't be able to help you unless Allah wants it. So turn to Allah first. Always turn to Allah first and then the right people will come to help you. We learned that shaitan actually came to help the non-Muslims in human form. Yeah, the devil came in human form to help the non-Muslims during the Battle of Badr to encourage and pump up the non-Muslims, telling them, ah, don't worry, I got you. But as soon as the armies saw each other, Shaitan saw the angels who came to help the Muslim side. He said, peace out, you guys are on your own. He said, I can see the punishment you guys are about to face and I'm not gonna be a part of that. So he said, all right, peace out. So you see that Shaitan still has fear of Allah, but does he change? Nope, he continues doing bad. Aren't we the same way too sometimes? We say that we fear Allah, but we still sin. We still smoke and drink and be in haram relationships. So Allah talks about the hypocrites, how the hypocrites didn't trust Allah. That how can a Muslim army of 300 go against an army of a thousand people? Yeah, sometimes we are in situations that might seem impossible and might seem super difficult. For example, a person who has many haram businesses is told he must leave all of those businesses behind, leave the haram money behind. But then how will he provide for his family? What will happen to all of his bills? It might seem crazy to leave all of it behind, but this is where trust in Allah comes in. If you truly trust Allah, then you should have no doubt that Allah will help you against all odds. So next time you are afraid to make a huge decision and people doubt you, trust Allah. If he can send an army of angels to help the Prophet in his battle, of course Allah can help you too. The Quran tells us that Allah is never unfair to his people. When people are punished, they are only punished because of their own deeds. They do this to themselves. Allah will not take a blessing away from you unless you did something wrong. So if a blessing was taken away from you, it means you did something wrong. So reflect on it and try and figure out what you did wrong. In reference to the battle, Allah tells us to always be prepared. Always be ready for difficult situations. Mentally prepare yourself for the problems you know are coming and the problems you don't know are coming. But also remember, you can prepare all you want. Say for an exam, you can study all you want, but unless you have Allah's help, you won't be 100% prepared. Don't you wanna be 100% prepared? As long as you have Allah's help, that is the best help and only help you need. Allah says if you want help, you have to be patient. You have to put in effort and you have to be patient. The more effort you put in, more help Allah will give you. 
Allah actually gives us so much help, but we just don't use it. We don't use the answers and advice Allah gave us. Yet, we still whine and cry that Allah isn't helping us. No, He is helping. You just don't want to do what Allah told you to do. Allah tells us, be ready, but avoid war whenever possible. Always seek the peaceful option. And only if the other side refuses to make peace and engages in war, then definitely you are allowed to go to war. But if they give up and ask for peace in the middle of fighting, then stop fighting and make peace. Just as it was very difficult for many of the Muslims to go to war, it will be very difficult for many of us to do the right thing. It will be difficult for some of us to pray or keep our fast. Allah says, you should be encouraging to others. Support them and encourage them. Don't force them, but encourage them. So after the battle, the Muslims had prisoners of war, captors, and they were trying to decide what to do with them. Some wanted to kill them and others suggested, why don't we just let them go for ransom, for money. Allah was actually upset about this. Why? Allah said, instead of worrying about making money again, your priority should be to defeat the enemy. Don't get distracted by all the ransom money. So Allah said, okay, fine. You can enjoy the ransom money as halal, but next time, don't focus on the money, focus on defeating your enemy. The rules on war prisoners are that they are either freed without ransom, they're either freed with ransom or exchanged for another Muslim prisoner, or they are kept as slaves. Remember we discussed slaves are? The purpose was to basically guide them and teach them. The purpose is not to just kill people left and right, because these same guided converts can help spread the word of Islam. Allah tells us there is a great reward for people who practice Islam in a non-Muslim country, because obviously it's difficult to practice when you're surrounded by non-Muslims and people who live such different lives. It is very easy for us to see the fun that other people are having and then just join in their habits. It's a lot harder. Allah tells us, we should love others for the sake of Allah. We should help anyone who is trying to do good. And we should definitely help our fellow Muslims. Be more proactive and do your best to help those other Muslims who are struggling to practice Islam. And we should definitely help those immigrant Muslims who came to a new country seeking a better life. The more we help others, the more Allah will help us. That's the rule. You want Allah to help you? Sometimes the best way to get Allah's help is by helping others. So this is where Surah Al-Anfal ends and chapter 10 continues with Surah Tawbah. So Surah Tawbah begins as a declaration by Allah, basically a command from Allah and the Messenger that it's time to cancel the treaty the Muslims made with the non-Muslims. So Mecca, the place where the Kaaba is, was still full of non-Muslims, full of idol worshippers and people who would perform naked rituals. There were still many people who would harass and kill the Muslims and stop them from performing Hajj. The Muslims wanted their place of worship back and they wanted to get rid of those idol worshippers who harassed and attacked the Muslims. The Prophet ﷺ declared that it is time for us to cancel our agreement with the idol worshippers. And take a look at this. In Islam, you can't just break an agreement. You have to announce it to the other group. You can't just surprise attack and stab them in the back. This is how civil Islam is. In fact, it is forbidden for anyone to fight if you have a treaty with them unless you cancel that agreement publicly. So the non-Muslims were told, hey, you guys have four months to decide what you want to do. If you accept Islam and repent, you're more than welcome to say. But if you don't want to accept, you're going to have to leave. Now this harsh treatment wasn't toward all non-believers. No, Muslims were told only break the treaty with the people who were already breaking the treaty. Meaning those people who were attacking and killing the Muslims. But for those people who did nothing wrong to you, keep your agreement with them until the agreement expires. But eventually they would also have to leave. Now why is it that all idol worshippers have to leave? Why couldn't some of the nice ones stay? Well, because Allah knew that as long as some of the idol worshippers stayed in Mecca, there would always be problem for the Muslims. Someone will always be conspiring against the Muslims and killing them. The purpose wasn't to forcefully convert them to Islam either. No, it was meant to rid Mecca of idol worshippers and allow the Muslims a safe space to return to the Kaaba and practice Islam. The idol worshippers were more than welcome to continue worshipping idols, but it would have to be outside of Mecca. 
And if after the 40 month period, these criminals were still in Mecca, causing chaos, then capture those people and eliminate them, basically kill them. Now this is a very popular verse in Quran that many people take and manipulate, so pay extra attention. The verse goes, kill the polytheists, meaning those who worship multiple gods, kill them wherever you find them and capture them. People all around the world who try and argue that Islam is a religion of violence and chaos, they look at this verse and they say, look, it says, find and kill every non-Muslim person in the world. Now you might be thinking, hmm, well that is kind of exactly what the Quran says. No, it's actually not. You cannot take this single line out of context and say, oh, Allah told us to find and kill every non-Muslim person in the world. No. First of all, this command was only given to the Muslims that specific time, not to us. It's telling the Muslims at the time of the Prophet ﷺ that if those idol worshippers, the criminal ones, not the ones who were nice to you, the violent ones, if they refuse to leave you and try and fight you, you have the right to kill them. Meaning, if they don't leave peacefully and then they try killing you first, then yes, at that time, you may kill them. And even in the end of that verse, Allah says, if those criminals decide to leave peacefully or they repent and accept Islam, then let them go. So does everyone understand that now? This verse only applies to the Muslims during that time of the story and only applied to the idol worshippers of that time and only the violent idol worshippers who were not leaving without a fight. It did not apply to anyone else and did not mean that Muslims today should go and kill every non-Muslim out there. War must only be used as a last resort, as a self-defense. <sighs> Good, that took a lot to explain. The next ayah literally says, if after those four months, those polytheists, even the criminal ones tell you, hey, I need more time to think. I don't know much about Islam, but I promise not to fight you anymore. If they say that, then give them your protection. If the enemy wants more time to understand the Quran, then give them that time. Give them that chance to learn. Even in today's world, so many people who hate Islam have never even properly understood it. Of course they will hate Islam if all they see are bad examples on the media. So be patient with them. Don't get offended or angry and give them a chance. Allah tells us, those that repent, start praying and giving zakat, Allah will forgive them and they will become Muslims. They will have equal rights as any other Muslim. Because some people wonder, how do you know if those polytheists actually will convert and aren't just lying? Well, it's by their actions. A Muslim is known by his salah and his zakat. Allah tells the newly converts, you will be tested like all of the other Muslims and you will have to prove yourselves. Allah tells us later on, make sure you prioritize Islam over everything else. Make sure you follow your responsibility to Allah before your responsibility to your family, friends, and your work. Many of us get so busy in life with family and work that we forget to make time to pray. We get so exhausted doing everything else that we put no effort into what we should be doing for Allah. We barely make zikr, we barely read Quran, we don't care to even understand the Quran. Allah says this is wrong. If you care more about your job and feel too embarrassed to take a break and pray, your priority is way off. We're so worried about our other responsibilities that we forget about our responsibility to Allah. Allah's not saying ignore your other responsibilities. Allah's not saying ignore your parents or don't go to school. No, Allah's just saying your priority should be Allah first. And it doesn't even make any sense. If we actually are super worried about work and family, don't you think Allah will help you in those matters? Duh. Allah can help you if you just ask. If we prioritize Allah and give Allah attention, Allah will help you with all the things you're worried about. Allah now talks about what we should do with the Christian and Jews, that even though they do believe in one God, which is great, and even though they were also given the original message of Allah, they changed their beliefs. They went too far. 
the Christians associate Jesus with God, and the Jews say Ezra is the son of God, which is all shirk. Allah says, for those believers, Jews, Christians, and any faith that believes in one God, they may live in an Islamic-ruled country, but they should pay a tax called jizya. Muslim countries are only responsible to take care of and protect their own people. That's their priority. If those believers want the Muslims to protect the non-believers, then this tax is basically for that purpose, for the Muslims to take responsibility and provide the non-Muslims with resources and protection. Allah said, how do these people still turn away from the truth? Allah tells us how their rabbis and priests, their religious leaders, take money from them just for themselves. They come up with different schemes to get people to pray for programs and other scams only to become richer. And we definitely see that today where some priests, those even from mega churches, have so much money from all the donations that they've taken. Those religious leaders live like kings and yet they don't give anything back to the people. And yes, some of our own Muslim leaders also live like this and it's very wrong. Allah says, those people who keep their wealth and don't donate any of it, on the day of judgment, all of that wealth will be melted and then stamped on that person's forehead and body. Allah tells us why he created the lunar calendar with the period of 12 lunar months, and how four months of those are very sacred. Why the lunar year? Well, think about it. When we perform Hajj or fast for Ramadan, if we follow the solar calendar, that means Hajj and Ramadan will always be on the same day, same season. Would that be fair for some of the people who always have to fast during the hottest time of the year? Look at the beauty of this, that because Ramadan and Hajj always fall on different days and different times of the season, every Muslim gets to experience Ramadan and Hajj in a different season. It won't always be in the same conditions. Allah asks us again, What is wrong with you people? Why don't you put more effort into following Islam? Why don't you give more charity or fight for Islam? Why are you so desperate for this world? It's like a person who's going crazy over wanting a bike when Allah is actually offering them a Rolls Royce. Dip your finger in the ocean. What's left on the finger? A little bit of water, which is slowly drying up. That drip of water is like this world and the ocean is like Jannah. Wake up people, wake up. So this is in reference to Allah telling the Prophet's followers to march forth and defeat the next army. And people would make up excuses as to why they didn't want to. They wanted the easy way out. They wanted to chase the world and relax. Allah says, you know what, even if you don't go forward, Islam will continue with or without you. Allah doesn't lose anything, but you do. Those who make up excuses as to why they don't pray or read the Quran or give charity or fast, Allah doesn't lose anything, but that person does. There's actually this one hadith where one person even told the Prophet Sorry, I can't go on this journey with you. I heard that city that you're going to has very beautiful women and I'm very weak. So if I go, I might do something bad with them. So this is why I should stay behind. <laughs> Are you kidding me? All of us come up with dumb excuses like this. It's ridiculous. A true believer must believe and trust whatever happens to them. Good or bad is Allah's decision. That even if something bad happens while a person is trying to do good, they won't be bitter about it. For example, you go to the masjid and your car gets towed. A weak believer would think that, man, I knew I shouldn't have gone to the masjid. A true believer would think, hmm, this is Allah's plan, I accept it, I'm okay. That is how we should all act. When something bad happens, when we are trying to do a good deed, don't get sad and upset. Accept it and trust that Allah did this to help you. There were some hypocrites who said, okay, I won't go with you, but I'll donate more money. No, you cannot just throw money to make up for your lack of effort. Allah then talks about who the zakat money is for and how the hypocrites would hate giving up some of their money. Allah says, beware of those hypocrites. They're fake Muslims and they're like cancer. So Allah finally told the Muslims that these people have had nine years to change themselves. Now you can be more harsh with the hypocrites. Don't fight them or kill them, but expose them and remove this cancer from the community. Allah says, 
don't be jealous of those hypocrites who have tons of wealth. They might be enjoying the money on the outside, but on the inside, they're crying. Allah even told the Prophet not to pray funeral prayers over those hypocrites. That is how much hypocrites were hated. So that's where chapter 10 ends. Let's do a quick recap. We learn about who gets the war treasures and how it must be distributed. We learn that sometimes we might be afraid to do something and might delay it, and how sometimes Allah will push us into a difficult situation. And instead of freaking out, we should just trust Allah that He did this for the best. We learn that no matter how difficult the task may be or how bad the situation might be, just ask Allah for help. He is the best help. He will help you win. Just ask. We learn in Surah Tawbah that the Muslims were required to get rid of all the idol worshippers in Mecca and how if they wish to repent and learn about Islam, we should give them a chance. We learn that we should always prioritize Allah over everything else. Our family, parents, work, money. When we prioritize Allah, Allah helps us with all of those things that we're so worried about. We learn how the lunar calendar is set up so that every Muslim in every city can experience Ramadan in different seasons, so it's not always hot for everyone in one place. We learn again that we shouldn't chase this dunya, we should focus on Jannah. And lastly, we learn that we shouldn't make excuses not to pray or fast, and how hypocrites are hated people. So make sure you're not one of those hypocrites. So this is where chapter 10 ends, and Surah Tawbah continues in chapter 11.